0: Alright, but well, so I'm going to pick up we're, we're on a series right now called um, Homies. Really, it's about your house. You know, a lot of times we put a lot of focus on God's house. And i got to be honest with you, I love God's house. But God loves His house too, but He also loves your house. And He has a plan for your house. And He's given us ways to make your house a powerhouse. And so, you don't have to come to church... To encounter God only, you can encounter Him at home too. And so, uh, as a matter of fact, the Bible says when they put the Ark of the Covenant in a house in the Old Testament, the house began to prosper and flourish. And so the concept is what God gives you here, you're to take there and live. And so we're in this process. I started last week, um, Matthew 7. We're going to jump right back into it here. So uh, as we get ready. But um, you guys know I'm a contractor. That's what I do is how me and my wife, we make our money outside of ministry as we uh, flip houses. And, you know, one of the telltale signs of what house we're going to buy and flip is um, usually the condition of the house. When we go look at houses, like you see here on TV, we always want the ugliest house in the best neighborhood. Um, That doesn't work for picking wives. Just let me let you know that up front. (laughs) But in buying houses to make profits on, you find the ugliest house in the best neighborhood. But we have found some really ugly houses in some really nice neighborhoods in the past over the years and walked in. And, well, Jennifer's looking at what it can be. I'm the kind of the more realistic one. Hard to believe that part about our relationship. But I start looking for what it is. And so as she's saying, you know, we can tear this wall out and we can move this wall here. First thing I do, honestly, when I walk into a house, I start looking for cracks above doors and above windows. Because that's a telltale sign for me that this is going to be more of a bite than we want to grab hold of. Because usually if you have cracks above a door or above a window, the wall is not the problem. As a matter of fact, you know, if a crack above a door or a window is too big, I know this, it has foundational issues. And it wouldn't matter how many times I cover or repair or sheetrock over that crack, the wall is not the problem and the crack is not the issue. The foundation is shifting. And if you put a foundation in a place that is not solid, then the house begins to show cracks and eventually will become irreparable. You know, we've walked away from several houses that have foundational issues because it would cost too much to fix the foundation Then we could get value out of the house. You know, there's a famous tourist attraction called the uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa. And people from all over the world travel to go see this tower. It's only 156 square feet in this tower. But it's in a town called Pisa. Now, if you go to Pisa to see the Leaning Tower of Pisa, they say the only thing to see there is the Leaning Tower. But people come from all over. They're impressed by this Leaning Tower. And the thing about this tower is it's moving still constantly. After all these years, it moves one-twentieth of an inch every year. And so now what they begin to do is tie ropes around it, and they're digging underneath it to try to reestablish the foundation underneath it. Now do you know why the tower's leaning in Pisa? It's because it's built in Pisa. Pisa means marshland. They built a tower on the marshland and it doesn't work. And so therefore what they built to have a purpose now has only a purpose for people to come and look at and see as a skeptical thing. How many you know how many times that builder has probably been talked about over the years and years and years on how he had no idea what he was doing. I've learned this in construction and building and flipping houses, which God has really blessed. I know one thing where every house we've ever bought, we've made money on. Every house that we were were completely led by the Holy Spirit on it. But also, every house that we bought, we made sure before we bought it. Even when we had to hire extra... um, engineers or extra inspectors to come in and make sure the foundation was good because it don't matter what I do to the above the foundation. If I start with something broken, it will always be broken. Saying that to say this, the most important thing in your life is the foundation that you build it on. It affects everything. Everything. And I got to be honest with you, most people have the wrong concept of what the Bible says a foundation is. And so we're going to dive into this today. In Matthew 7, it says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them not will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descends and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on the house. And the house fell. And it was a great fall. So it was that gee, when Jesus had ended these sayings. That the people were astonished at his teachings. For he taught them as one having authority. And not as one of the scribes. We'll talk real quick a minute. About your house. Now. This applies almost in every part of life because a house in the Scripture is represented in several different ways. One is a, a way a house is presented is the way I build my life. My life is represented in the Scripture by a house. You know, this is the house of Cricket or this is the house of David or house of... It's the life that he builds for himself to live. And so the word house here can be the way I live my life, the way I build my life. Another terminology in the Scripture that a house is used as, it represents a family. The house of David accompanied everyone in the family of David. So this not only Scripture speaks to what, how I live or how I build my life, it also incorporates the way I live and do my family. All right. Not only that, the Bible says that this is the house of God. This is a house. The church is a house. It's uh, the house. And so it's also the way we do our ministry. This, this scripture contains the how we should do our ministry. And then also, it's a governing body or a nation. It's represented the house of Israel. It was the nation of Israel. Like you can say when we say the White House, if they say there's some orders coming from our government, um, it comes out of it's the community of government ruling. It, the house represents that. These principles work in all four of those situations. It will work in your personal life. It will work in your family. It will affect our church and our ministry, and it will affect our government. As a matter of fact, the reason why there are cracks in any one of these, and the truth be told, I have cracks in them all. I have cracks in my personal life. I have cracks in my family. I have cracks in our ministry. And it's very obvious we have cracks in our government. It's because of this one little bit of Scripture. And so today I want to try to maybe bring out some revelation out of this that I was taught. Because I wish I was as smart, but I'm not. Um, because I always thought when it talked about my foundation, it talked about... And I've been taught for years: you, you, you build your house on the rock. How many guys, you guys... Remember the old song we used to sing? Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that one? And so that's what, that's what we think. We build our house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you know, say we build our house on the Word. But the truth be told, that's not what this scripture is talking about. Because you can be sitting in church here today, and you can quote more scriptures than anyone else in this room, and you can still be living in a house full of cracks because you have a messed up foundation. So, like we talked about last week, I pulled out of the gym. I dropped my gym membership because uh, me and Jen, it shows that when you look at Jennifer, she's in shape. When you look at me, I just miss a bunch of meals because I'm not in shape. I hate working out. I hate the gym more than anything. And But I, have a, I had a membership for the last two years to Planet Fitness. And me and Jen, that's what we would do. together three days a week. We would get up and we would go to the gym. And when we'd get there, Jennifer would jump on a treadmill and just go at it. All right. And then she would move from there and get over to the weights and do all this. I would get in, walk in the door, and first thing I'd do is look and see if I saw anybody I knew. And if I could find it, somebody I knew, then I could move it over instead of workouts to ministry, and we could sit over and hang and talk out. If I couldn't find anybody I knew, I started looking for the massage chair tables, and I'd go find the hydraulic chair. Then they, the, I don't know about the, I hadn't been in the Planet Fitness here in town, but the one they have in Foley, they have this room, I even tried this out, it's an it's a infrared room dome, that's supposed to be technology, this state-of-the-art technology, you step into it, and you stand on this floor, and the thing shuts around you, and then all of a sudden the lights go ultra-red, and start changing colors, and the floor starts vibrating, and supp- Supposedly, 15 minutes a day in there would be the same thing as working out for an hour outside on the gym. And I thought, this is my answer. I'm going to just start doing this. I did the ultra red room for about three weeks and nothing changed. And so... I told Jen, and i I mean, I got to be honest with you, I was honestly serious when I told her this. We were driving to the gym, and I said, Jen, I'm tired of going to the gym. It's not doing nothing for me. And she says, what? I said, look, I'm not getting any more fit. And I said, I'm still having to watch my weight by not meeting me. She goes, because you go to the gym, you don't go work out. She said, you spend all your time talking. And I realized, I, I go to the gym three times a week. And I'm not doing anything in the gym that would change my life. And so I'm leaving the gym the same way I came. And so I decided last month, I'm I'm canceling my gym membership. I'm wasting $10 a month of a gym membership because I don't use it. I'm not using it the way... And the sad thing about it is when people come to church. I want to tell you, just being here is is a good thing. What just being here does is positions you to be in the house of God, in the presence of God and around believers. And so God has an opportunity... To reveal Himself to you. But if you walk out of here and you don't use anything that you got out of here, man, you're doing exactly what I did at the gym. And I'm not advising you to quit the church. But what what I'm advising you, why go through all the trouble if you're not going to get everything God has for you out of it? God wants your house to be blessed. God wants your house to be strong. God wants your marriage to... To be amazing, God wants your your mental and emotional state to be the, well. The Bible draws it like this. He says in the Holy Spirit, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. That's a picture of the life that God wants you to have. He wants your life to be clean. He wants your life to be easy. He wants your life to be fun. God has a righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost for you. But most people never get that, and the reason is, it's not because you don't know scriptures. And a lot of times, a, a pastor's worst nightmare is that people are going to come to church. And they don't do anything that God speaks to them out of His Word at church out there, and so their life stays the same. That is my greatest fear as a pastor: is that God never changes your life. God never fixes your marriage. My greatest fear in life as a pastor that that, and I, I like to say, it's not when I say fear. I'd say major. My major concern is that the Word of God don't work for you. Because I'm going to be truthful. The Word of God does not work for everyone. And the reason why the Word of God does not work for everyone is it's not a Word of God problem. This is the infallible Word of God. This is inspired, Word, living, moving, quick, sharp, powerful Word of God. But the problem is... Just knowing it will not change your life. So we're going to look into this real quick. All right. First thing I want you to understand is the the, the similarities in these two guys. Jesus here told the he just preached. What they call the greatest message ever preached in history. Matthew seven, he preaches the um, the sermon on the mount. He actually sat down, started to tell this to the disciples first, and as he was telling the crowd grew, so he incorporated the message to begin to encompass everyone out there. And he preaches some of the greatest revelation of the Bible. You know, he's talking about, you know, the Beatitudes, the blesseds and the blessed, and he goes into the uh, asking shall receive seeking The greatest message that Jesus because it's amazing that he was there and he was preaching but at the end he concluded it with this story and he said this is like two men now these two men were a lot alike in a lot of ways they were obviously both builders they they obviously both had skill in the understanding of how to put things together. Because the Bible says two men both built a house. So we're not talking about an ability issue here. The problem was not that they didn't know what they were doing or how to do it. Also, a similarity in this story would be they both had a dream or a desire to want to build. Because they were both willing to do it. You know, it didn't say there were two contractors hired to build a house. It said there were two men that built the house. They, they wanted to. They, they had a dream. I want to bring this up to you that, you know, I believe every single person in here has a dream or a vision or a plan or a desire that they see what their life can be or see what God wants their life to become. They And I'm here to tell you, you are gifted in your life to accomplish the destiny and desires of your heart that God put you here to do. You do not have uh, an ability lacking that would keep you from fulfilling the destiny of God in your life. You do not lack the ability to be a good husband. You do not lack the ability to be a good wife. You do not lack the ability to be a, you know, um, to be a manager uh, on a job. You know, if it's in your heart, the Bible says God gives you the desires of your heart. If it's in your heart, then God will equip your hands to do the work. So don't think, when you say, well, Cricket, I I don't know how. Then if it's in your heart, then He's given you the ability to go learn how. You, You are equipped to accomplish the destiny of God for your life. These two guys both had a dream, had a plan. They knew what their life or their house, they wanted it to look like. Now, I believe everyone in here, when they look at the different areas of their life, they know what their life is supposed to look like. They, they know what a marriage is supposed to look like. They know what a, a job is supposed to uh, you know They know what their kids serving the Lord is supposed to look like. But I've got to be honest with you. There are not everybody in here's kids who are serving the Lord. Not everybody in here's marriage is what they know it can be. And my question is this, if it's not, what do we do? And so, here they, they both had a dream. They both had ability. They both were willing to work hard. They both went and did the work to build the house. You know, there were so many similarities in these two guys that you know all the way to the point when the storm started coming... You would say there's really no difference they 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 were basically equally equipped and both given the same understanding. Now you would say, okay, well, well um, they must not have been on the same level or at the same place. Well, the Bible says that a storm came in. Now it says a storm came in, and it was the same storm, so they had to be kind of in the same validity geographically, for one storm. Now, like I say, there in Alabama at the Gulf Shores campus, it's amazing. You can stand on one side of the road and it'll be raining, and stand on the other side and it not. It's weird how, you know what I'm saying, that does it like that because of the different trail winds and everything like that. But uh, when a real storm comes in, it hits everything. And um, there, the, the storm, that they, it, so it wasn't like one lived in a nicer place than the other. They, they, the, the same storm came on them both. Now, in the Bible, the Bible says that storms are always looked at as adverse situations. I wish I could tell you, and I don't know why our minds constantly get reset back to this, but the truth is they do. That when 90% of the... I've been doing this for 25 years now. of the conversations I have with people in the ministry, also in my own mind, I'd say 99% of the time in my own life, when a storm comes up, I think, what in the world, God? What's going on? What did I do wrong? What did you do wrong? What's going wrong? Because it shocks me that because I'm a Christian, I go through hard situations. But I'm going to just tell you, in this story... There were two men, and neither one of them were immune or able to get out of storms coming into their situations. Storms are a part of life. The Bible says, "In this life, you just need to go ahead and settle it in." There's going to be trouble, and. I don't know why it is the enemy constantly keeps resetting my thinking, no matter how long I've been knowing this, to think that just because I go to church, just because I pray, just because I read my Bible, that I should live a life without storm. Jesus never even lived a life without storm. Jesus went through several storms. But the way Jesus went through the storms were different than the way I mostly went through mine. His the Bible says when he went through one storm, he laid his head on a pillow. i, I got to be honest with you, I'm just now learning how to do that. I've been doing this a long time. I'm a slow learner, Jennifer tells me all the time. But I'm so glad I am learning to do this. But the storm was there. Said, you're not telling us anything I don't know yet. This is not going to be one of our deep theological messages. The difference in the two guys doesn't come in until he describes the way each one thought. He said that there was a wise man and there was a fool. Now, it didn't, this is not a wise man that had information and somebody that did not have information. Because when we read the text, it said this, there was a certain man that heard my teaching. Now, it said both of the men... Heard his teaching. The wise man heard his teaching. And the foolish man heard his teaching. So information is not what determines whether you're wise or you're foolish. You can know every scripture from cover to cover in the Bible with this understanding of the parable and still be a fool. You don't have to know Every scripture from cover to cover and be able to be considered wise. Because for years, I have been under the thought pattern that if I'll just build my house on what the Bible says, then I will have a strong house that can withstand storms. And I can know everything the Bible says, the Bible says here, and I can still be a fool. Because the difference between a wise man and a foolish man is not what they know. It's what they do. Here it said this. It's not a like wisdom, according to this story, can be described to this. Wisdom, in this story, can be described as you living your life, applying biblical scriptures to the way you live it. Applying. You making the decision to do what the Word says. And foolish thinking, or foolish living, would be that you know it, And don't do it. It's not an informational issue. Now, saying that to say this, what you need to know is this. I can know a lot of Scriptures. And God not be able to release power into my life. Because what you have to know about Scripture is this. Scripture's promises access the Spirit. The Spirit has to be activated for it to work or God to have freedom to flow His power through my life. Just because the Bible says it does not mean it's going to happen in my family. Just because the Bible says it does not mean it's going to happen in my life. The Bible says says it and I have to do it. When it comes to the power of God, the power of God has to be activated. The Spirit of God has to be activated. The power of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God can be present and not be activated because I don't activate. For example, you've seen those um, motion-sensitive water faucets in the bathroom? They drive me nuts. Because... I, 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 you know, I'm not a patient guy. You guys know that. I'm just 90 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, I think Walmart does it on purpose just to make people laugh or things. But I'll walk into Walmart, and I will walk up to that and wave, 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 nothing happened. I'll move to the next one. Wave, 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 nothing happened. Move to the next, And then when I get to the third one, the first one comes on. And so I'll run back over there, and it shuts off, and then the last one comes on. And they, they've tried to create these water faucets to be motion sensitive. What well, you need to understand about the power of God in your life, and the reason why we can go to church, we can, be called, we can call ourselves Christian, and we can even be saved, but the power of God not be functioning in our life is because the power of God has to be activated, and is activated by motion. I can show it to you in the Scripture. When God did anything in the Scripture miraculous or a great move of God, there was always an activation, always a motion that took place first. When God parted the Red Sea, it did not part until Moses stepped out and stuck the stick out over the Red Sea. When God separated the Jordan, it did not separate until Joshua's priests stepped their foot into the river. When God raised Lazarus from the dead, It did not happen till Martha was willing to roll the stone off of the doorway. And when Peter caught fish, God was not able to provide in Peter's life until they were willing to throw their nets on the other side. See, a lot of times we get under the concept just knowing what the Word of God says puts God on the hook to do that in my life. But you don't understand. It's just like the lights in here or the water on a faucet. You can have the water in the pipe and the faucet to release it. But until a motion begins to take place underneath it, the water does not begin to flow. If this power in this building the light bulb in the socket, but if I don't walk and flip a switch, the power is not released to do what this was meant to do. The Word of God has to be activated in your life beyond just knowing. And so many times, we just try to find out what the Scripture says. And then we pull back and we decide to wait on God. Alright God, Your Word says this. And we make knowing and believing what the Word of God says, what we think the actions we should take, when that's not what activates the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God can't do anything in our life by just knowing that the devil knows the Scripture. And it doesn't do him any good. It just tells him what's going to happen in the end. You need to understand the Word of God has to be activated. The Spirit of God has to be activated. The Spirit of God can be present. And when we don't do what God has told our part to be, it is not released. There has to be an activation process. Now, what is the activation process? Here in the story it says, one man heard the Scripture and did it. The other man heard the Scripture and didn't. Now, the only difference in the story now is, one, they're willing to place their Bible, uh, their life, on biblical principles. When you choose not to build your life on biblical principles, you will not get the life that God has for you. You can know all what God wants. You can have the plan. You can see it in the scripture that He wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. He wants to set you free. But if you don't move out of the foolish thinking that it's God's responsibility because He said it and move into the place that God told me and now all I have to do is begin to move that direction and the power of God will show up. You'll find yourself building a life or building a family or building a church or you will find ourselves building a nation. On a foundation that can never withstand the life that God wants you to have. You know, when you go to build something, the the foundation determines how high you can go. In building, you know, you can't build a two-story house on a one-story foundation without cracks beginning over time to appear. Now, the problem with pouring foundations is this. When you build a foundation on a rock, it costs more. Because you have to get special equipment. You have to, you know, actually hire more crews to do it. If you've ever put yourself into a building in the mountains, it takes a lot more to level a place out there than it does on the beach. On the beach, you can just take a rake and move things around. But the truth is, a lot of times, we as Christians, God has called us all to be builders. And because He's called us to be builders... We want to be just livers and living is building and because it called to be builders we try to find the easiest way to build this life that we want God to have. So we try to build skyscrapers on one story house foundations. So we'll just do enough of the Scripture to be okay. You have to understand the more of the Scriptures you do the more of the Scripture you activate the higher your life can build. Now, saying that to say this, there's two different kinds of foundations. The rock always is harder, always takes longer, always costs more. The sand is easy. will be quick and cheap. But the difference between the two is when the storm comes, and everybody needs to say, say this with me, say, seasons change. You know, I, when I pastored in Florida and I pastored in New Orleans, and now that we have this thing in Gulf Shores... One thing we understand is this. There's a time of year every year that comes in that's called hurricane season. We're in it right now. Hurricane season. Houston is feeling the wrath of hurricane season right now. Because the Bible said, sure enough, both of them built their house. And the rains came down, the floods came up, and the winds blew strong enough to tear a house up. But the Bible says one made it and one didn't. You say, well, cricket, I'm just going to live far enough inland that I'm not going to be affected by hurricane season. You need to understand something. Seasons, God uses seasons. And no matter where you try to live, you're going to be affected by storms when seasons change. Here in Arkansas, you have tornado seasons. And tornadoes, everybody's like, you know, why do you always get in hurricane places? You know, they're so scared of hurricanes tornadoes are twice as deadly as a um, hurricane. Hurricane, you can see them coming for many, many days out. you got plenty of time to run. You choose to be in the path of a hurricane nowadays. Tornadoes, they just drop out of nowhere and can tear everything up. I want you to know something. The devil uses them all. And you're not ever going to get to a place in life where you're storm-proof. You're going to go through storms. But the thing about it is you can build a house and a life that stormproof. And the Bible says the difference in those two things are this. It's the way you build or the way you walk out what the Scripture says. You know, it's called walking by faith and not speaking by faith. We, a lot of times, just want to quote the Scripture at it over and over again. But if you're not willing to do what the Scripture says... That's why last week we talked about reading your Bible. Do You know, a statistic was done in um, America for American Christians. And the average Christian outside of a church service reads their Bible three minutes a month. And most of those are on plaques in stores that they're walking by and think that's a cute scripture. That would be nice to hang on my wall. That's why the power of God is not flowing in churches like we know it can. Because we know we should read the Bible. truth is, we just don't. The average Christian in America prays 13 minutes a month. That's including over meals. We want the power of God to flow in our houses. But the Bible says that we're to pray every day. You've got to understand, if you're not willing to do what the foundation is, you can know it all day long, and it not affect your life. You're still building a life on the way you want to. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says this in this story: the storm reveals the foundation you've built on. I've been through several storms, and I've looked back now, and I knew a lot of scripture when I went through those storms. And them storms devastated my life in certain times. And I began to question God. God, why can a storm destroy me? Because I know what the Bible says. But then I began to realize I may not be doing what the Bible's telling me to do. Because it costs me a little bit more. It takes me a little bit more effort. It takes me actually having to get up out of my bed 15 minutes earlier to get into a place where I can sit down and read and hear from the Holy Spirit. And then the rest of my day... I used to think you could read your Bible anytime you wanted to. You know what I found out? If you wait to read your Bible at night, you don't get a chance to do what it told you to do. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's so why the Bible says meditate on the word day and night. This is real simple, but I'm going to be honest with you. The reason why the power of God is not flowing into our lives the way the power of God wants to is because we know what God tells us. The question is, are we willing to walk it out? Now, you've got to know this. Your foundation will determine your future. Anywhere in the Scripture that you choose to not on purpose. Now, wisdom said this. You decide on purpose to apply biblical principles to your daily life. You decide on purpose to apply biblical principles. What Jesus told the guy, he heard it, and he went out and he did it, and it built his house on a rock. The one that heard it and just went and built his life... He built his life on sand. Now the problem of it is this. Most of us don't know that that's extremes. I understand that's sand and that's rock. I'm here to tell you, most of us build our house on gravel. We pick the parts of the Bible we like that we will build on. But the parts that maybe we want to argue because they don't feel good, we'll get a handful of sand. And do you know a shifting foundation can be built on gravel? It can have rocks in it and still not withstand storms. I've never met a marriage where, at least, when one member of that marriage decided this marriage is worth fighting for and I'm going to do everything the scripture tells me to do about my marriage, and they get in that scripture, and it only takes one. They got in the scripture and they begin to find everything the Bible told them to do. They begin to pray for their mate, they begin to speak positive and blessing over their mate's life they begin to call their mate what they wanted their mate to be instead of just let their, uh, talk about what their mate had done and they begin to honor their mate and they do everything about it and that marriage made it I've never met a couple that at least when one did it, the marriage didn't make it because it only takes one to build a foundation that the power of God can flow through I've never met someone that decided financially to take the Word of God and with their finances build the foundation and they not be blessed. i got to be honest with you. I'm blessed. i got money in the bank. I'm not a poor preacher. I'm just going to be honest with you. And she's going to be mad when I say this. My wife signed in a $25,000 deal this month that we will take home. That's her part. I'm not broke. But I was. Until I decided to take what the Word of God says and apply it to my life. Knowing it is not enough. Now, let me tell you why it's so important that you do what the Word of God says do. Let me guys remember these. When I was a kid. My parents gave me these. And I, gotta be, I remember sitting in our house and I thought, you know what? I'm going to whoop it. They used to have pictures of guys on it. So I would go back and I would, back there. I would... I would punch as hard as I could but it would come back up. And I would punch it as hard as I could and it would come back up. And I would punch it and I would spend hours punching this thing. And you know what I've learned? I could never beat it. It, I've even kicked them. I've thrown them. I couldn't beat it. And what it is, is it's because the way it's designed. It's sad when a... A blow-up toy can outlast a 10-year-old boy. But you want to wear that kid out, you give him one of these. Because I don't care how much energy your little boy's got, he can't beat it. And the reason why he can't beat it is because the bottom is heavier than the top. The devil has been pounding you and pounding you, and pounding you. And I'm here to tell you, if you spent your time building your foundation, you cannot be beat. And I'm telling you this, He will not wear you out before He wears Himself out because it's the foundation that makes it to where He may knock you down, You may have messed up today, but if you'll get back up and begin to apply the Scripture, your marriage may be rough today, but if you'll get back up and apply the Scripture, it don't matter how many times the devil hits you and knocks you over, you will come back up, you will land on your feet, because it's all about the foundation. You cannot be defeated if you have a foundation. And the foundation is not knowing the Bible. The foundation is living the Bible. Every step you take that the Word of God tells you to take, God puts a rock underneath your feet. And the Bible says, that, you know, isn't it odd that the Scripture says a righteous man, those are guys we think that God it to get. So a righteous man falls seven times. But he gets up. Do you know why? To be righteous means you've built your house on a foundation, you've applied what God's Word said, and you just didn't memorize it, and you just didn't hear it preached, but you walked outside of here, and you applied it and you said, you know what, if the Scripture says this, I do this and it cannot not happen I'm here to tell you a lot of times and I, I, you say, Cricket, I came all the way to church for this simple of a message, this is the foundation of it all the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Man, I'm tired of praying prayers that don't get answered. You say, well, cricket, that's impossible. You can't. The Bible says in the book of James that they prayed and their prayers were not answered because they were praying amiss. If you're asking God to do something, but you're not willing to do what He's told you to do in that area, the first storm that comes by, you may be successful for a little while, but when the storm comes, your foundation's revealed. And it says when it falls, it's great. And I've sit in my own life a lot of times saying, God, but you said and look what's happened to me and look what and I get all worked up and all bothered about God failing when He never failed, I just never acted. And it's hard to act, man, it's hard to forgive. And it's hard to love and overlook. It it's hard to get up and make yourself read the Bible on days that you're exhausted and you work late. But i got to be honest with you. If you start the building right, I build my day off of trying to find one Scripture that I can live out that day. I don't try to memorize the book anymore. I try to find one Scripture that tells me something to do. If it says love my wife, then I'm going to try that whole day to try to love her every way I can. If it says to forgive, I'm going to try to think of everyone because I've decided that if I want a life to be built as a skyscraper, it's not going to be on what I know to do, it's going to be what I do. Amen? I want to release you here. I want to pray for you in the realm of if you're here this morning and you want to practically use what I'm telling you. There's all kinds of things in the Bible that it says to our prayer teams coming up. What I mean by that is this. Every single day of every single minute, you have an opportunity to activate the power of God. For example, if you're here this morning and you're sick, the Bible said if there be any sick among you, bring them to the elders of the church, have them lay hands on you, and they will recover. Now that's crazy, because what does that mean? This bottle of of olive oil can be put on somebody's head and it's going to make something happen? No. No. That action releases the power of God into your life. It has to be activated. And you say, well, Cricket, I feel foolish. I don't care what you feel. Uh. You want to feel the power of God? Do what the Word of God says. If, if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, the Bible says if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. You do that. You can know that all day long. But you do that and God makes you righteous. If you're going through a battle, Bible says, "Well, two or three agree on anything is touching this earth that it would be done." One to put a thousand, flight. two to put that ten thousand. If you're going through a battle and you need somebody to pray with you, you need to come up front and let somebody pray for you. Because I'm here to tell you, knowing the words not enough, wanting the words not enough, the Holy Spirit has to be activated. I'll show you this scripture right here. Bible says when Jesus told the disciples to go to the upper room. It says 120 went, but it says they sat there for 10 days. Man, that's a waste to me. Waited 10 days. Why didn't God just tell them what day to be there? But they weren't wasting. It wasn't until the Bible says they were all in one accord. When they acted right, the Holy Spirit fell and changed the world. I'm here to tell you, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to praise in your situation. He's waiting on you to find somebody to pray with you through. He's waiting on you to decide to obey. Walk, do whatever it is. So I, I just want to throw this before you. i like to say, this is an odd, simple message. But I want to always make sure I land on my feet. And the way I do that is this. Not knowing the Word, but doing the Word. Father God, I thank You that You've shown us how to build a house. You've told us how to build a house. And God, now I ask You to empower us to be able to walk out of these doors and build our house. I thank You for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. We're going to close with the video if they got it ready. That, to me, changes everything. So they're going to play it As you're dismissed But if you would like to see it It's going to play God bless you Go ahead and roll it As they finish in prayer